Well, this morning we're going we're gonna to proceed with our, uh, our series that we're doing. Y'all pay no attention to me. I'm, I'm going to have to have some water before I get started, so I'm going to get me a bottle, okay? But we're going we're gonna to continue our study on, on, the, on the box life. And you, if you hadn't been here, I'm going to catch you up to date really quick. Uh, last week, we began this series by defining what we meant by box life. And in the natural world we live in, everybody knows what a box is. Okay, I mean, it, we, we, we all know what boxes are. Boxes are everywhere. They're used to ship and to store products and, and materials. They're used to contain things. We live in boxes. That's what a house is. We're worshiping in a box. That's what this, this building is. We shop in boxes. That's what malls are and stores are. And most of us will be buried in a box. Okay? And I said last Sunday we'll be buried in a box within a box within a box, because we'll be in a coffin, in a vault, in a grave. And so boxes are just a part of our life. I mean, when, we, when babies are born, they're, they're put in a what? A crib, a bassinet, it's a box. If they come here premature, guess what? They go in a box. So we come into the world in the boxes, and we go out of the world most of us in boxes. Yet when it comes to our emotional life and, and our intellectual life and our philosophical life and, and especially our spiritual life, we were not designed to live in boxes. We weren't made to be contained in a box. The purpose of a box, as I mentioned, is to, is to contain its contents and to protect them. And when I say protect, it's to protect what's on the inside from whatever's on the outside. And that sounds pretty good in, in most cases, but when you begin to talk about your spiritual life, what you're doing if you're in a box is you're trying to protect yourself from God who's on the outside of the box. Because God has got to change. Whenever He touches something, it changes. And so this box, which is invisible, I mean, nobody can see it. We all, we all you know, we're dressed nice this morning. We've got our hair just right and... We've got smiles on our face, and, and uh, some of us have makeup on, and some of us don't. And, and you know, we're, but this is a box. I, I show you the outside of, of my box, but I don't let you see what's behind the box. And so what happens is that invisible box limits God in our lives. And it limits us, it limits our abilities and our willingness to follow God wherever He wants to lead us. It restricts us. It smothers us. It confines us. It limits us. Any of you claustrophobic? Some of you are. Um, I didn't, I'm not, but most, some of you know that for years and years I was, I was uh, a plumber and I was in the plumbing business. And I could crawl into dark places, didn't bother me. And, but if my body ever touched on this side and this side, it's that tight. I can't breathe. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't go there. So I understand a little bit of what being claustrophobic is. I don't like crowds that are all around me. I mean, Kathy and I went to the uh, uh, Christmas village on Thursday. And downstairs, we got there early. Man, these, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to say nothing. I enjoy it, okay? I really do. I enjoy going and, and, and just watching people. But we go downstairs first before the crowd gets down there. And then you go upstairs, and it's elbow to elbow. It's ladies of all shapes and sizes with anything you can push that rolls, okay? 
and they're intent on one thing. It's buying something or getting a, a, a taste of the soup dip or whatever that place is. Oh, you don't want to go near there, okay? Just trust me, guys, if you ever go, don't go near that place. You can get hurt there. But it, it, it's so, I mean, it's just like this upstairs. And, and I get a little anxious, and, and Kathy knows that. And so we kind of, we hit that pretty quick. But I enjoy it, and, and, and that's why I go. But, so, but boxes, it confines us. It limits us. And you may say, well, I don't live in a box. Well, if you want to measure the box, that invisible box you live in, go to the edge of your comfort zone because that's the edge of your box. Or just step out in faith and see how far you're willing to go because that's the edge of your box. Usually what happens is when we get uncomfortable, we smash into the side of our box. Or when we step out a little bit and that's as far as we're going to go, that's the edge of our box. It limits us. It constrains us. Boxes are nothing more than prisons that entrap us and graze it into us. They limit our experiences with God. And they limit His purposes in us. And, and like I said, I'm going to say this over and over and over as, as we go through this study. But God didn't create us to live in boxes. He didn't, limit, he didn't create us to be limited and bound up in restrictions that He did not create. Now, I want you to understand, there are some limitations. And there are some boundaries that God has put in place. Okay? But they're to protect. They're to protect us. And they're to protect others from us. How many of you realize that we tend to hurt each other? And we tend to hurt ourselves if there are no boundaries. And so God has put some boundaries in place to keep us from hurting ourselves, to keep us from hurting others. He hasn't put them there to limit us from being what He wants us to be or limiting us from being, or Him from being able to do what He wants to do in us. You know, a lot of people believe, both in the church and outside the church, that God is some big cosmic killjoy, that all He wants is don't, 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 don't. Y'all grow, y'all grow up in that church? I grew up in a church like that. We don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do this. I kind of wonder, what do we do? I could tell you, but it, it didn't fit in the categories of do. It was some of the don'ts. We don't, 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 don't. And a lot of people live under that restriction, under that limitation. Because they, they feel like God is just, he's up in heaven. And he's just sitting on the edge of his chair with his finger pointed, waiting for us to break one of those don'ts. So he can light us up with a lightning bolt. And go, you know what, you deserve that. That's the picture of God for a lot of the world and most Christians. That's a box that they live in. Folks, that's not God. That's religion. And I'm going to talk to you today about religion. I hate religion, okay? I mean, I'm just going to be straight up with you and tell you where I'm at to begin with. I hate religion, okay, because I grew up in it. And I'm going to share in a few minutes some personal things. I don't usually do this, but I'm going to share some of those. Religion is nothing more than people's beliefs or opinions, beliefs or opinions concerning the existence, nature, or worship of a deity, of a God. 
and his divine involvement in their universe and human life. In other words, it's human belief about what God does and doesn't do. Okay? That that's just that simplifies it. Religion is an, is an institutionalized, or it's a, it's a personal system with the, with the key being system. It's a system of thought about God. Religion is man centered. You know why? Because human beings are the ones that developed it. Religion is based on humans the human belief and the human opinion. It's filled with rules and regulations and customs and rituals and duties and expectations. And all those things are nothing more than a way to measure our own personal growth based on our understanding and our thought about what God wants or doesn't want. Human beings created religion to measure accomplishments. The heart of religion is man, man and woman, okay? It's not God. Religion is an empty box, okay? It's an, it has nothing to give. It has nothing to offer. It's void of God's presence, And the reason it's void of God's presence because most religion, in fact, I'll just go ahead and say all religion, depends on how good you do things and how hard you will work. And that's not grace. That's not what Jesus died on the cross. That's not mercy. That's how well can we do and what can we do that will please God. It comes back to us rather than him. God's plan was, and I believe it still is, is, is a revelation of, of both a corporate, and, and by that I mean a group, but also individual. It, it's about a, person, a revelation of a personal relationship for a group of people and for individuals. It, it's interesting how God works. He builds a people, a group of people, one person at a time. And his desire is to have a relationship with us. Folks, God doesn't need us. He's got angels. They're far more effective than we are. They don't have to sleep or eat or rest. I mean, you know, if he's going to get a work crew up, he's not going to choose us to go with him. And yet we think God, God is depending on the things that we do. You see, that's not true. God wants to reveal this relationship with us. And, and it's interesting revelation, the, the, the revealing. Genesis 1.1 opens with a revelation. It says, in the beginning, God. Well, where did God come from? How did he get there? That's all the questions we want to answer. That's what, that's what religion tried to do. It, it tries to answer those questions. God never tries to answer that question. He just says, in the beginning, God. In other words, before the beginning, God. God existed. Well, that doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. He's God. He doesn't have to explain everything about himself. He doesn't have to fit in my system of thought. 
He's bigger than what I can comprehend in my mind. God has always existed. He was here in the beginning, and He was there before the beginning, and He will be here when everything comes to an end. God is not bound in time or space. Folks, in the beginning, God. I love what John 1, 1 says. He says, in the beginning, God, or the Word, was in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, Jesus, we know, is the Word. He was right there with God. And if, if we're, you know, diligent and do enough Bible study, we'll find there was also another individual there, the Holy Spirit. So God was there. He's always existed. He will always exist. But what we've tried to do is we've tried to invent a God that we could explain. And we call it religion. But that's not how God works. God uses revelation. You see, revelation is the communication of what is true so that as individuals we can understand who God is. If there's no revelation from God, we don't know God. So he reveals himself to us. And that's what he did. Revelation is God declaring to us who he is. The scriptures are full of revelation. God says, this is who I am. I'm Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. I'm Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. I'm I'm Jehovah Jireh, I'm the God who provides. Uh, All through the Old Testament and New Testament, God is revealing himself to us. Revelation is God saying, this is who I am. Religion is us telling God who we want Him to be and who we think He is. Now, which one do you think is better? Don't answer, okay? Because most of us are in the religion box. We're just covered up with it. Biblical revelation destroys this box of religion every time. A box by its nature is limited. And yet God's revelation is limitless. It won't fit in this box. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The revelation of God won't fit in a box. You can't stuff it in there. You can't tape the lid shut. He just will not fit in that box. Since the beginning... When God created the man and the woman, folks, he has not ceased to, des- to, to reveal his desire for a relationship with us. He created Adam and he created Eve in his image and in his likeness so that they'd be able to respond to him and to express the same kind of love he was giving them back to him. See, he's, he's equipped us to do that. God doesn't want a religious, he doesn't want you to have a religious experience, okay? He wants you to have a relationship with him. Can I just tell you, if you have that relationship, you will have some experiences. And they'll be far better than anything you could get in the religion box. They may not be goosebumps, but they might be. But they'll be real. They won't just affect you out here, they'll affect you in here. He will change you from here outward. Folks, he's not interested in how much we can do for him. Listen to me. You can work your fingers to the bone. And as the song says, all you'll get is bony fingers. Okay? 
You, you can work as hard as you can, and you can try to be as good as you can be, and it'll never be enough. Why? Because he sent Jesus. And Jesus answered and fulfilled what God demanded, and therefore Jesus is the answer. So I can't ever be Jesus, and God doesn't expect me to be. He expects me to be me. He expects you to be you. But folks, we, we think that we can do these things. That we can work and work and work rather than allow him to work in us and through us. Again, I say that's why he sent Jesus. Jesus, a great, a great definition of Jesus is he is the revelation of who God is. I'm going to read. These won't be on the screen, so it's going to take me a minute to turn to them. But I want to read three passages of Scripture. Uh, at the conference we were in this weekend, uh, the basis for it came out of this first verse. But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. I believe it's Paul, okay? If you don't believe that, that's okay. But I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. He said, God, after he had spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed Heir to all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory, the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. In other words, the writer of Hebrews says that that Jesus is a physical picture of God. You want to know what the revelation of God, who God is, and what God wants? Look at Jesus. Turn a few pages to your right, and, and we'll go to 2 Peter. Verse 1, or chapter 1, verse uh, 16. I'm going to start in 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses. We saw him. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And then then Peter Peter shares a moment of, of something that only two other human beings saw. He says, but we, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father. In other words, when we went up on the Mount of Transfiguration with him, that's what he's saying there. He said, by the majestic glory, they heard this voice say, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in dark places until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. In other words, we saw it. We, we know He's God because the Father said He was. He said He's the, we heard it with our ears. And then turn a few more pages to the right in, into 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. John puts it this way. He says in, in verse 1, The revelation... Of Jesus Christ, there it is, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must shortly... Oh, that's Revelation. That's not where I want to be. I'm reading the book of Revelation. Let's go back a little bit. First John 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our hands, what we have beheld, 
and are seen with our eyes what we have beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also that you may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Over and over and over, these apostles, these disciples says, we saw God in the revelation of Jesus Christ. We know what Jesus or what God thinks. Well, how do we know what God thinks? We can look at what Jesus did. We know what, how God acts. We, we can look at how Jesus acted. We, he looked, what He looked like in, the, in flesh and blood. Jesus came to do this so that He could destroy the caricature that religion had painted of God. Y'all know what a caricature is, don't you? It's kind of a comic drawing that resembles a person, but it's not really the person. Judaism had drawn a picture of God. If you mess up, that was the picture. That was the God they served, an angry, vindictive God. That was the, that was the God that they had, had drawn from, from all the rules and the regulations. See, they missed it. That was not the God that God revealed. But that was what religion had done. They painted a God who was, who was angry and who could not be pleased. And if you were going to serve Him, you had to do things perfectly. You had to be, as Paul would say later, and I'll probably read this verse, he, he reminds uh, some of the people he was talking I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I kept the law to the letter. And, and that, was the, that was religion's picture of God. If you don't mess up, He'll accept you. But if you mess up, mm, 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 you're going to have hell to pay. And that's the world that they lived in. Folks, that's the church world most Christians live in. Just think about it. Think about your own when you get past all the fluff down into your heart of hearts. You ever worry that if you mess up, God just might not let you in? And if you mess up bad enough, he might send something bad your way. That's religion. Folks, religion is a deadly and a deceptive box. It promises everything, but it provides nothing. It's one of the enemy's most creative and destructive tools. You know, as you go on your journey with God, as you begin to develop that relationship, the enemy is going to be there with you every step of the way doing his best to get you to take an exit ramp into religion. Okay? Why? Because it's a dead end. Relationship sets you free, but religion puts you in bondage. The greatest killer, I think, of, of Christians is really not sin. It's, it's the empty box of religion. You know, sin will make you useless, but religion will too. But when you've got a box full of religion, you don't think you are sinning. You don't feel that you're sinful. 
you think you're working, you're working, you're doing, you're doing. Folks, it's not enough to know about God. You have to know God. I want to say that again. It's not enough to know about God. You have to know. You have to experience God. I, want you, I just want to share with you. A lot of you know me. You've known me for a long time. I don't know if I've, I've ever shared this necessarily. I have with a few people. But in 1998, I went on staff at, at, at First Baptist Gardendale. And I was in my second year of seminary working on a Master's of Divinity degree. I'd, I'd, three years before, I completed a, a, a bachelor's degree in pastoral theology at Southeastern Bible College. I was 42 years old, okay? I, I don't want you to say, man, it's, the last 10 years have been pretty tough on you, Brother Nelson. No, I was, I was way on past the age of, of going to school. And uh, I'd been a believer for 34 years. I was saved when I was 8 years old in a little Methodist church right adjacent to where we lived. In fact, my father's property surrounded it. I don't ever remember not going to church, okay? Every time the doors were open, my family went. I grew up in a, in a Baptist church. I, I, I went to Sunday school. I went to, to youth groups. Uh, I'm trying to think what we called a training union. For those of you that are in, came out of the Baptist church, you'll know what that is. Uh, it was just discipleship classes on Sunday night. I went on mission trips. I went on retreats. I had studied Scripture. I had been taught Scripture. I would heard thousands and thousands of sermons. Okay? Thousands of them. I've been licensed to preach, and then I've been ordained to preach, and I'd served in, in another church. I'd studied, at this point, I'd studied systematic theology, every, every branch of it. I'd, I'd, I'd studied Greek. Uh, by the time I got out of seminary, I think I had, had taken 21 or 24 hours of Greek. I took Hebrew. I studied his, church history. I, I took a bunch of classes on hermeneutics, which is basically biblical interpretation, how to, how to take a text and, and study it. I'd taken uh, probably t- 25 hours of preaching homiletics. They'll say, you didn't get much for your money. You're right, I didn't, okay? <laughs> I'd read church history. I'd read the church fathers. I mean, I, I had studied uh, Irenaeus, Athanasius, Chrysostom, Augustine. I'd read them. I, I'd studied reformers. I mean, I, I'd studied Calvin. I read his institutes. I'd studied uh, Luther. I'd read his stuff. I'd read Zwingli and, and other people that if I mentioned, you probably wouldn't know and could care less. I mean, I, 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 I read Wesley. I studied what the preaching of Whitfield, uh, Spurgeon. I mean, I'd read his stuff. I, I was constantly reading and studying what conservative writers had to write and what they had to say. I, I mean, I was, I was on the cutting edge of, of staying up with information and, and things like that. I, I had memorized volumes of Bible verses. I mean, like, like most Christians that, uh, that are brought up in church, I, I'd learned a lot of, 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 of Bible verses. Because of, 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 the, of the study and the projects that I had in school, I, I had, you know, I'd outlined a lot of the biblical books. I knew what was in the books. 
I had a folder that was just bulging with, with sermon preparation and, and lessons to teach. I knew all kinds of biblical facts and figures and dates. I had a head full of, of knowledge, okay? But I was an arrogant biblical conservative, okay? I was. I'm just being honest with you guys this morning. There's nothing wrong with being a biblical conservative. The problem is when you're an arrogant biblical conservative. All right? I want you to understand that. And I had, I had a, a, a theology, a cessationist theology, which meant I, I, I had been schooled in, in, the, in, the, in the belief that, that many of the gifts had ceased with the apostles. And, man, I could defend it. I could argue you down. I mean, I'm just being honest with you, okay? I've been schooled in that. I knew all kinds of things about God. But I was as dry as those leaves are blowing around out there. Okay? I was as dry as a bottle of dust from the desert. I really was. I had a head full of knowledge, but I had a heart that was empty. And I was hungry. I was desperate, okay? I was searching for God. I wasn't just searching for religious facts. I was searching for God. I knew a lot about God. But I began to wonder if I really knew Him. Now, And when I say that, I'm not talking about salvation. I know that I know. When I met Jesus Christ as my Savior, I was eight years old. I know it. I can go back to that day. I can tell you what the sermon was. I can tell you what happened. I know that I was changed. But the problem is, instead of developing a relationship, I took a U-turn or, or an exit off the interstate that have taken me to God's heart into religion. And I began to work. And study. And there's nothing wrong with study, and there's nothing wrong with work. But if, if you're working to please God, and I was working to please God, because I, in my mind, if, if I did everything right, God would love me more. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Do anybody struggle with that in here? That if, if, if I would get that attaboy at some point. I didn't question my salvation, but I began to question everything else. Folks, I had a head full of empty facts because I had a heart that was empty of relationship. All I'd have ever been taught when it came down to it was to pray harder. When I had a problem, nothing, pray harder. I had my pastors tell me this. Pray harder. Read your Bible more. Pray harder. Read your Bible more. Can I just be honest with you? There are some things that reading your Bible more and praying harder don't help. In fact, may I just say this? That's a lot of things that we come in contact with. When I went into ministry, that's all I had to give people was pray harder, read your Bible more. And as I told them that, it was empty coming out because it didn't meet. I I was sitting here going, that don't help me. How's it going to help them? I'm just being, I'm being honest with you this morning. And one day I said, God, if that's all I have to give them, 
I'm going back to the plumbing world. Because in the plumbing world, if it doesn't work, I can fix it. If I can't fix it, I can beat it out with a hammer and put it back new. The God I was worshiping couldn't fix anything. Or if he could, I didn't know how he did it. And I continued to pray and I continued to cry out to God. And one Sunday night, I'm already on staff, and we were praying for the sick. We, we prayed for the sick a lot of times on Sunday night. And people would come and, and we would lay hands on them and we'd pray for, for them. And as we were up there doing those things, as I was going through the, the motions, because my hands were empty. I didn't have anything to give anybody. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Nelson, you've got a spirit of religion. If you'll trust me and you'll listen to me, I'll take you out of that box you're in and I'll set you free. Folks, I heard it with my ears. And I heard it in my spirit. And God, God just told me that night, I'll lead you into freedom. I'll lead you to my heart. And here I was. I was praying for people to find that freedom. And I was loster in the bushes. I know that's not a word, but I was lost farther back in the bushes than they were. I couldn't have led them anywhere. And so... I remember going up to my pastor and just telling him. I said, look, I'm, I'm struggling. I, don't, I, I, know, I know God saved me, but I don't know if I know him. I know a lot about him. I got, I got this religious thing going on in me, and I got to get rid of it. Something's got to happen. And he, he listened to me. He said, well, we'll pray for it in just a few minutes because there was lots of people up there. And so, you know, you, as pastors, you, you kind of take care of the, your people first. And when it, was, when, when it hit a lull, he got the staff around me, and, and they laid hands on me. And one of them prayed for me. And as that person prayed for me, God opened a box, the lid of a box in my life, and he began to lift me out of it. And folks, God has been leading me on that journey for 15 years. I'm not there yet. But I'm not where I was. Okay? And he showed me how little I really knew about him. Because I could only see this much of God in my little box. And he was so much bigger than that. He showed me time and time again how narrow-minded and how ignorant I really was. So well, Nelson, that's kind of tough. No, that's just the truth. I was narrow-minded. If you didn't fit in my theological box, you were not worth listening to because God didn't behave that way. That was the religious spirit that I had. That was where I was at. Folks, the truth is God doesn't behave anyway in a box. He won't fit in a box. And so he began to expand my belief system and he began to purge my life of, of, of garbage that I'd picked up and, and lies and misinterpretations. 
and bad theology and lack of faith and, and unbiblical things that I was drowning in. And folks, the more I learn about him, the more I know how little I know about him. You just think about this. When something is infinite, there is far more there than you can ever know. And so the more I learn, the more I realize how much more there is to learn, how much bigger he is. And I've got to be honest with you, it, there, there are moments when it terrifies me where he calls me to go and things he calls me to do. And yet, it's exhilarating. It's exciting. I don't have any theology to explain it. Okay? Because, number one, he doesn't need theology to explain what he wants to do. He acts. He moves. It takes my breath away a lot of times when when I see him move like he did in the Gospels. See, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He doesn't change. And folks, he is far bigger than I ever imagined. And the reality is he's getting bigger every day. I can't explain him. And I've I've taken, I've lifted one a verse sort of out of context that I hold on to when when I can't explain him. It's, it's a verse in Isaiah that says, where God says, My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways and my thoughts are above you. I don't have to explain him. He, doesn't, the, he didn't call me to explain what he does. He called me to represent him, to serve him, to be a conduit of his love. And so all that pressure's gone. I don't have to be perfect. You know why? Because Jesus was perfect. Jesus died in my place. So I don't have to keep all the rules and the laws. I mess up. Any of y'all ever mess up? I mess up all the time. All the time. I've already messed up this morning probably. And I don't even know about it. I've probably messed up since I started preaching. The more I taste of him, the more I want. Religion made me sick. The more I got of it, the less it satisfied me. But the more I taste of him, folks, the more I want. It's it's a ravenous hunger. And that's the way he designed us. He designed us with that hunger. He's given me really an insatiable appetite. But but I want to warn you here. I constantly have to step, or I constantly have to fight not to step back into that little box. Constantly. Because it's so easy to do. And if you're not careful, I take my off of him for a moment. If I stop listening to what he's telling me, even for a second, and I think I can handle it, on my own, I've stepped back into this little old box. And I find myself doing things to, to please people and to please Him. I love Hebrews 11.6. It says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. 
and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Folks, knowing about God is not enough. You have to know him. You have to experience him. Religion is built on rituals, and it's built on rules, but relationship is birthed in the experience of true intimacy. And folks, once you experience the heart of God, once you taste him, this is what he says, taste and see. Once you taste him, religion's not enough anymore. Once God touches you, you won't fit in the box anymore. You know what happens when you rub up against something long enough? You blister. Your skin starts to come off. That's why some of you are so uncomfortable. You're rubbing up against the box, your religious box. God doesn't want you in the box anymore. He wants to blow it apart. True faith, real faith, is being willing to walk with God where there's no path. I don't like that. I don't either. Can I just be honest with you? It's terrifying. It's, it's walking over ravines, and I'm afraid of heights where there's no bridge. It, it, it's walking that high wire without a net. It's impossible to please God without faith. But folks, the Bible says He is a rewarder of those who do. He rewards us. What I'm talking about is a journey into the unknown, really. And, and when I say the unknown, that's where God is. See, God's revealed some things to us, but there's so much more of God that He yet wants to reveal to us. And the only way we're going to experience that is in relationship, because that's the only place that He shows us those things. Folks, true faith always exists outside the box. It's coloring outside the lines. I know some of you, that just freaks you out because you're orderly, everything's got to be. I'm not. And Kathy will say amen to that. I just don't fit in that box. I've tried my best, okay? I can't do it. I've learned to do things and follow lists and be orderly, but I, but I don't fit in the box. I, I tried my best to fit in a religious system. I tried my best to look like that system demands that you look and talk like that system demands that you talk and preach and teach the way that system demands that you teach and preach. But that wasn't me. That wasn't the person God created me to be. God gave me a message so that he could use me to bring that message forth and he created you the way he created you and if there's rough edges on you he'll take care of them he's taking care of mine folks there's no cookie cutter Christian yes we will always all eventually all look like Jesus we'll be conformed to his image but God made us this way because God likes diversity. Okay? And God can use nails that are straight and He can use the crooked ones as well. Okay? I didn't fit in the box. I tried to. Tried as hard as I could. 
If I'd stayed in the box, it would have become a coffin, and I would have died. Okay? I'm not in that box anymore. I'm loose. All right? I'm loose. I know that's scary, but I'm loose. And you were created by God not to live in a box. You were created by God for God. He made you just like you are, and he threw away the mold. Okay, not because there's anything wrong with you, but because you're unique and he wanted you to be unique. I love what it, what it says in Genesis chapter 1. He says we were created, he created the man and the woman in his image and in his likeness. I want you to just look around this, this room. You can see God. Look into the face of the person next to you. Go ahead. I know this has freaked some of you out to look eyeball to eyeball. You're, you're looking at the image and likeness of God. God is limitless. He is infinite. He's like a diamond that's multifaceted. When the sun hits it, you see all kinds of things. Folks, God created you in His lightness. You look like the Heavenly Father. And deep down inside, whether you believe it or not, you have His hunger and His desire within you. It's there. It may be buried in a box on a shelf, way back in a box inside another box, but it's there. You know what? It's time that you stepped out of that cramped little box. Folks, religion will snuff the life of Christ out of you. Because it demands far more than you can give. And you get nothing. God has a destiny for every person in this room. Every, he's got a purpose for every person in this room. And you're the only one that can, can fulfill that destiny and that purpose. And he wants to use you for who you are. You don't have to fit in a box. You don't have to look like so-and-so or whoever on TVN or wherever on the, on the church channel or, or whomever at this Baptist church or that Presbyterian church or that Methodist church or the church of God, the assembly of God, you can just be you. Who's God called you to be? Inside of you, there's a person who is clawing to get out. Okay? That's you. This is who you want everybody to think you are. Okay? But in here is who you really are. You weren't created to live a box life. You weren't. You don't need another dose of religion. What you need is a revelation of God's love for you. That's all you need. You need to realize how much He loves you. And your heart needs to experience the touch of what your head's been taught. That's what's wrong with the church today. We've been taught enough to change the world, but what we've been taught has never touched our heart. We've got hard heads and hard hearts. Bear close to the veins, what I, call, I mean brains, what I called it last week. Here's what I want to do this morning. I just, I want to, I just want to pray. I want to pray a prayer. Because I can't bust your box. 
of religion. I can't stick my hand in there and pull you out of it, all right? I can talk till I don't have any voice and I'm blue in the face. That's what religion does. But I have tasted a God whose power can reach into any box and explode it. He can lift any weight off and he can bring any person out. you'll just invite him into your box. And so this morning, here's what, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. We're just going to let God move. I don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't make me uncomfortable because I love to see boxes blow up. Your box may blow up quietly. It may blow up a different way. But if you realize this morning that that you're in a box of religion and you'll confess that to God. You don't have to confess it to me. You don't have to confess it to anybody. Just to confess it to God. God, I have, I'm trapped in a box. I want out. I want to taste all of you. I want to experience all of you. I want you. You'll just pray that prayer this morning. God will answer it. I promise you that. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.